This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. It can be really easy to go, all right, hey, like I'm going to put aside an hour just to make calls. And so they're like, cool, I have this hour, but maybe they only do like 10 calls. It's like, all right, well, cool, you put this hour down, but you literally like delayed everything throughout that hour. Instead, let's really talk about, all right, you're going to have one hour dedicated to this task. Let's set some objectives. Like, what do you want to accomplish within that hour so that you know you use that hour adequately and appropriately? We are back here at the Leaders Lens podcast with my good friend, Gabrielle Blackwell. I have a meeting every Wednesday, me, Gabrielle, LQ, and Hibba called the Writer's Room. And it is my favorite part of every week. Just a bunch of writers in there geeking out, talking about our craft. We're all in the world of leadership and people development as well. So we have that extra layer in common. But I appreciate you. I'm glad we can, can have you back on the podcast. I appreciate you too. And I'm glad to be back. Thank you for inviting me. The first episode, I called you the wrong name. And the fact that we still talk and that you haven't like blocked me from all socials. I just want to thank you for that. And I appreciate appreciate the humility and the second chance that I was given to be a good friend and support because I am a big fan of your work and I appreciate everything that you do. Well, thank you, Jacob. You know, I've moved on. I've evolved as a person. And so, you know, just be glad that you met me at this stage of my life. <laughs> okay, okay. We're in a good we're in a good state. So we can have a little graciousness. I love it. So a, f- yes. a few days ago you made a post on LinkedIn that I wanted to dive in. It's about the things people recognize as leaders. And I do see this go the wrong ways where where managers they recognize the wrong things, which reinforce the wrong behaviors. I think especially in sales organizations, we see this when the only thing that people are paying attention to is the the end goal and not how did we achieve this goal. What do you see? I guess, like, what are the mistakes you see people make? Let's start there. I'm going to give a shout out to my mentor, Kevin Dorsey, KD. And one of the things, this must have been a webinar he was on, and he was talking about the importance of recognizing the behaviors that you want to see regardless of the result. So if we're only focusing on the results alone and we're not really paying attention to the pathways to get there, a couple of things can happen. Number one, someone might be on the path of progressing towards achieving those results and every moment they haven't received that, achieved that result, they're freaking out. They're full of anxiety and that's not going to be something that's conducive to sustainable performance. And then on the other side of that, though, you might have people who have really poor behaviors, like really poor practices, but they somehow figure out some way to be successful. I'm a sales leader. And so one of the things that can happen is someone just goes, all right, I'm going to spray and pray everybody in my book of business. I'm going to get a couple ops here and there. I'll get some deals and therefore my way works. You fast forward some time and you realize they've burned through their entire book. They've gone on everybody's spam list as well. And now they are royally effed. So making sure that you understand what are the set of behaviors or string of behaviors that are needed to be demonstrated to achieve that result. And then making sure that people are kind of aligning to that and providing that positive reinforcement. This is what enables the people on your team to be really successful over the long term. I think especially with the the current generation of, of workforce who grew up on video games, right? There's this immediate, like I do this thing, 
I am rewarded for it immediately. So we are kind of trained to look for that. And so if you're doing the right thing and not getting the result you want, it's really easy to assume that what I did was wrong. I got to change the path. So as leaders, we can reinforce that. Like you're doing the right thing. It's just going to take consistency, probably some slight tweaks, but like the core of what you're doing is right. Stay on the path to give them that motivation to keep trying, not quiet quit, not actually quit, not start calling out for work because they're just overwhelmed and anxious that they're not getting the results that they need to, to keep their job. A hundred percent. So how do we do it? How do we shift that lens? And what's the right way? What should people be doing? I've known about situational leadership for a few years. And the company that I work for, Culture Amp, we went through a training or, had a sale, or one of our sales enablement heads came in and did a workshop on situational leadership. And one of the takeaways that I got from it was this idea of like, you really want to show your people how to do the work, right? And then you want to give them opportunities to practice doing the work. And these two areas, I think, are the most key when talking about you really want to reinforce the right behaviors. So because what this requires you to do as a leader or as a manager is to understand, like, what does it take to actually be successful and to net this result? Because if you have no idea, like, what the processes are, what the workflows are, what the steps are, number one, you're never going to be able to really coach your people on how to get to that result. Secondly, the only thing that you'll be able to drive and reinforce is the result because you don't know anything else. And I think the worst case scenario of all this is without having a true understanding or some level of familiarity of what it takes to be successful at this one task, you risk like making decisions that will actually make it way harder to be successful in your environment. So I think the like those that's kind of where you want to start. So first and foremost, you really want to show your people how the work needs to be done. And then the second part in terms of coaching or giving people the opportunity to practice, and this might look like a shadow session or a side-by-side. So again, for the role that I'm in, maybe one of the things that I really want to do with my folks is show me how you find your target accounts, right? If we're in a remote setting, just pull up screen share and show me your screen. If we're sitting side-by-side, right? Like just pull up your laptop and like, let's see how it goes. And allow the person just to show you how they go about the work. If you already under have an understanding of ways to make it more efficient or more effective, you can give them that feedback. Or if you have somebody who's new to the process who might be feeling a little bit insecure because they just don't know if they're doing it right or not, they don't know if the process works yet, you can offer them affirmative feedback. So like, hey, Jacob, you're doing great. So even if you're like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, it's like, no, you're doing exactly what you need to do. And you want to get them continue to do that until both your person or your employee, right? And you feel really comfortable in what they're doing. And then they're now doing things all on their own without the need for you to affirm them along the way. So I think this whole piece around like, let me kind of show you how to do it. Let me tell you like when you're doing things right, when when you're kind of off the track and then you now show me like that's a really, really nice flow to make sure that people are aware of what they need to do, how they need to do it. And they're also being given the opportunity to work through any kinks that might come up. I love it. And something that I feel like is is valuable to take away from that initial coaching session is that really the focus of that is you want to set yourself up for success to be able to recognize them. You want them to really understand with complete clarity and have confidence in their ability to execute in this thing that you're asking them to do so that you can follow up, observe them, do it, and then make a big deal, recognize like, hey, you did it. You want that to be the message. Like you're on the fence about it. You're a little hesitant to jump in, but you did it. You did a great job. Like keep doing that. 
And if you can do that, like have people leaving that with that feeling, this person believes in me, I can do hard things. It's going to be, you're going to create problem solvers on your team. That just sort of focus is going to have benefits in, in a lot of different areas beyond just that action that you're focused on in that moment. Yeah. And I think there's also something here about like when you're able to demonstrate some level of, it doesn't have to be full on technical mastery, but some level of familiarity or proficiency, I should say, in the tasks that you want your people to do, that will imbue a greater sense of confidence from your people in you. So I know if I am in my role and I go to my manager and I say, hey, listen, I know you want me to do this thing and I'm really running into some big challenges and this is where I need your help. And my manager goes, well, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what the hell? And you're going to hold me accountable to something that you don't, you yourself don't even know how to do or no, understand what's going on, right? Or even to the other, like the worst case scenario is you roll something out that's actually not applicable to the work that your people do and their style of work as well. It's one of the easiest ways to lose trust from your people. The competence piece, right? I can't remember who said it, but they said trust is a is character and competence. Like you have to have both. You have to act with integrity. You have to do the things you say you will. But you also have to show that you're competent in your role and you're avail- You're able to actually do the things that you're saying you're going to do. So, yeah. So you, in your LinkedIn post, you had a Venn diagram. Mm. What you reward when you praise. So when you when you praise effort, you create persistence. When you praise growth, you praise improvement. When you praise the outcomes, you praise <laughs> what you reward when you praise. So you have outcomes you're focusing on that accomplishment piece. And I think a lot of times we focus on that last circle that I was not able to say very eloquently. But the other two, I feel like, is really where the secret sauce is. Yeah. So how do we recognize effort and growth? What does that look like? Yes, I'm like looking at the video. I got it. Pulled up on my hand. Look at technology. Yeah, technology, I know, is crazy. So let's imagine you got someone new on your team and they don't know anything other than the fact they're employed at your organization and that you're their boss. And the first thing that they're going to go through their onboarding and they're going to start to learn the kinds of tasks they're going to need to complete in order to be performant, right? Enroll and meet expectations. So like the first thing when I'm thinking about this is, all right, there's so much space and time and so many things that need to happen between that like first day where they're live And the time where we say, all right, you've met expectations. So if I'm only waiting until that last moment, that entire time before, they're like, what's going on? What's happening? Am I doing great? Am I not? Like, am I meant for this role? Am I not? Do I want to quit? All those things. And this is where, like, I think that's the persistence piece. It's like, all right, what I really wanted, or resilience. So more than anything else, I want to praise them continuing to do the work, right? Like, Hey, listen, the number one thing, Jacob, when you come onto my team, right, you're going to have a certain number of pipeline opportunities you need to generate as a sales development rep. However, this is comprised of all these small little things such as calls, emails, social outreach as well, prospects added, accounts worked, all these things. And the most important thing that you can do is be consistent across those activities. So like, hey, this week, the win for you, like what is really going to get all of us razzed up is you're making 40 calls every day, right? If you do that, that's a huge win. You add 10 prospects into sequence, that's a huge win. And so every time they meet that goal, amazing job, Jacob. I see you putting in the work. I love that. Keep it up, 
right? So they're like, okay, my manager's there. They're like paying attention. They're shouting me out. We said that this is the goal. And even in that, like that is rewarding accomplishment. You accomplished putting in the effort that you said you were going to put in. And I love that. Keep it up, right? Or even on the other side of things, it's, hey, like, GB, I've made 100 calls today and nobody has answered the phone. But guess what you did today? You made 100 freaking calls, dude. That is insane when everybody else is averaging like 40. Phenomenal. Like, it's literally only a matter of time before you get that one next call. So like, even if things didn't work out the way you wanted it to from a results standpoint, the fact that you were disciplined enough or inconsistent enough to put in the work and then some that's a win in and of itself. So like seriously, way to go. So I think these are little tiny things. Like these are things that are in your control. You controlled them, you hit it, you're getting all the praise. So that's gonna inspire someone to go, okay, cool, I can do it again, right? And again, and even if I don't get that win, my manager's still cheering me on. So I think that's on the effort front. When I think about the growth front, I also will share with people like, hey, listen, the work that you do in your first quarter is going to be different than the work you do in your second quarter. And it's going to look much different in your fifth quarter working with me because you are going to be growing. So let's not trip about you getting everything perfect on your first call. The most important thing is just that you have the call, even if it blows up in your face, you did it. And then from there, what's happening is we can listen to your calls, we can coach on the objections. And what the win is, maybe today it takes you 20 calls before you get that one meeting booked. So a win for us is it takes you 19 calls to get me- one meeting booked. Like literally one degree of improvement is huge because it's going to add up over time. So that's when you think about like the effort and the growth and the different ways that you can do this. One is like purely task-based, right? And the other one is more about, hey, longitudinally, as long as you are like moving upwards, even if this week it doesn't feel like it, trust, like literally trust the process and trust that these gains are going to net into something really big for you. And I think also just realizing that development and growth, it is a process, right? If we're focused on more calls, more quality, changing all these things all at once, it's going to be overwhelming and people are just going to be like, I can't do this. I'm not a good fit. They're going to, even if they want to do a good job, right? They're going to be stressed. But if we can build off strengths and then just focus on one thing at a time. So first, let's just focus on the volume of calls. You're doing 50 this week. I know you can do a lot more than that. Like let's set a more ambitious goal. Let's get there. Then let's focus on the quality, right? Like one thing at a time where we can consistently recognize like, hey, we're getting there. We're taking chunks at this. We're making the changes that we need to make. You're doing a lot of things right. Like we're just going to keep making these small changes to get better and better. So people feel like it's possible and they start getting the wins. They they feel recognized. And you called on it earlier where my, my manager notices me, which is another miss I think a lot of managers just have is doing a bad job and a good job feels kind of the same because your team isn't getting the attention from you. They feel like you don't care either way. So it's easy for people to, you know, start developing bad habits and just eventually just disengage. Recognition, like the act of giving recognition is like a, I feel like it's competency that can be developed over time. And Grant, I can go into a whole like tangent right now. Do it. Of, Let's just go. I mean, it's 15 minutes in. If they're here right now, like they're sticking around for this tangent, I feel like. Well, I'm just, because I'm like from a sales perspective, I think there's always that balance between like, all right, how much activity can you put in plus like times quality or whatever. So like maybe with one of my reps, it's not a matter of like, all right, hey, like you're, you're hitting the minimums and we're not getting the results. 
I'm not necessarily going to say like, just do more for the sake of doing more. It's more about, hey, like, let's take a moment and go, cool, you are working your plan. I think this is more about like having confidence in your plan when you don't have results, right? So like, all right, so some people will associate all of their confidence with accomplishment. And that's where we get into really dicey territory. So it's before you ever get the accomplishment, let's build confidence because you have a plan, you're working it. And when you are consistent against your plan and the plan is not getting you the results that you want or need, then you can go back and go, okay, well, what is it about my plan that I need to make like one small fix, one iteration, whether it's an increase in volume or an increase in your effectiveness. And then you can go from there versus it being okay, I'm doing all these things. I'm not being successful. I don't have confidence in myself compared to I'm working my plan. The plan isn't going as I thought it was going to go. And so I'm going to iterate my plan. So there's a separation in terms of like confidence as well as like, I think like an aptitude. If you don't have a plan, you're probably going to think this is not the right job for, I'm not the right job. I'm not the right person for the role. There's something wrong with me versus it being more about I'm fully competent, I'm fully capable. And so it's just a matter of, I need a better plan. Yes, because people don't believe in the plan, they're not gonna believe in themselves. Like, why am I gonna work hard at this if it's not gonna work anyways, right? You find every way to put the minimum amount of effort in and mm. we see it, we see it with people yeah. all the time. I think there's something really smart about smart goals. Like on a daily basis, I have some reps on my team and it's just a simple note of like, hey, like what are the big things that you need to accomplish today? And they'll go, okay, well, I need to make a bunch of calls and I need to add in a bunch of prospects to sequence. Okay, well, how do you know if you've hit your goal or not? Like, let's put a number to it. So it's also allowing for that sense of, I know what my goal is so that when I achieve it, I know that I have achievement and I know I have accomplishment. Yes, I've been, I've been actually having this conversation with uh, organizations I've been working with, changing how they look at the mission statement. Like, don't make it this like, pie in the sky, like artistically worded statement. Just what are the numbers you're going after? When are you going to hit them? Like take more of a smart goal format so that everybody on your team understands what the urgency is and where we're going together. Because then you can break those numbers up into departments or into each individual on the team. And now everybody understands how they're contributing personally. But it's just important to have that clarity of what are we actually going after? And, and I feel like, this, like taking the SMART goal format and implementing it into your mission statement is an easy way to do that on a team. Listen, I like having measurable things because, again, I want to know what I'm working towards. And I want to know that like when I've hit it, because that in itself can be incentivizing. It's like, ooh, all right, I'm in a groove. I've hit that next chat. That It's like using the video game analogy. I feel it's like Mario Kart. So it's like, cool, like I let's say I'm racing against myself now. So in the last time, it took me 11 seconds to get around the lap. Like, let me see if I can get it down to 10.5. Without measuring, you don't know, right? You're not looking for like ways to save time on the course. Yeah. So if you have no check mark, right? Like you don't know, you don't have that 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 signal that lets you know, oh, I am improving or, hey, I am falling behind. And now I know that sooner so that I'm not continuing to fall behind. And now it's six months later. And I'm having a very uncomfortable conversation with my boss. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, th I think for some people, so I used to fall into the trap of when I was working with a team, like we don't need goals. We just need to focus on things we're doing and the numbers will come. But then mm. I realized that there are people that don't operate that way. There are people that need to have that 
number that they're going after. They need to have this goal and they're going to figure out how to get there. And I can help them and giving them feedback and just how they approach their work. But like having that goal, I think it's just important to remember people operate differently. People need different things. But yeah. a lot of people need the numbers that just helps provide clarity on, on where we're going. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like having some kind of objective. I have like a, a little bit of a story. And the framing for this is one of the things that I, I work on with majority of the people that I work with and support is on like time management and organization, especially for what that means for time blocking on their calendar. And so it can be really easy to go, all right, hey, like I'm going to put aside an hour just to make calls. And so they're like, cool, I have this hour, but maybe they only do like 10 calls. It's like, all right, well, cool, you've put this hour down, but you literally like delayed everything throughout that hour. Instead, let's really talk about, all right, you're going to have one hour dedicated to this task. Let's set some objectives. Like, what do you want to accomplish within that hour so that you know you use that hour adequately and appropriately? And I got this tip or I was inspired to do this um, by something my grandfather shared with me. So my grandfather used to be, uh, he used to work at IBM. At one point in time, was like the highest ranking African-American, like globally at IBM, I went on to then start his own company. It was one of like the largest minority owned businesses in the Midwest during the 90s and early 2000s as well. So very accomplished guy. Prior to that, though, he was a cab driver in Philadelphia. And I would say like in the early 60s, late 50s, somewhere around there. And one of the things that he would tell me is like when he was a cab driver, he would not go home until it was the absolute like middle of the night and his shift is completely done or when he had made $30. He's like, listen, he's like, in order to provide for my family, I need to make $30 every day that I'm out in that cab. So he would not get out of his cab until he made $30. He maybe, so maybe he made $30 in a morning, right? And at that point in time, he gave himself, he can now reward himself. What does he want to do? Does he want to keep on working and make some more? Or does he want to go home and spend some quality time with my grandma? Or maybe just go out and do something for himself, right? But then there was other days where like he didn't make $30, but he's like, I'm not getting out of this cab until like this bell chimes. So like this is, I think that's the importance of having the objectives, which is I have this time, I need to make the most out of it. And so I'm not going to stop doing this thing until I've either hit my objective or I've hit my time constraint, right? I think something that's really nice with that too is if you put some constraints and some objectives in place, you also have ways to identify ways to get better. So let's say I have my rep and they're like, all right, cool, I'm putting objective to this. I wanna make 20 calls in this hour. I'm like, cool, if you hit 15, that's fine, right? You either have to get better at something else to give yourself a little bit more time for calls or you have to get better at your time management during calls, right? For that time. So this is what gives you some nice parameters. So you're not all of a sudden leaking into other things and everything else falls behind. Yes. I think this is a relevant conversation when we think of just working from home and how the workforce is changing. Like there's no law that requires us to keep people there for eight hours a day. Right. Like how does it shift if we make that if that's not the goal, right? Because essentially we're setting the goal at work eight hours. But what if we shifted that into like here's these things you need to accomplish? Um, if you get it done in four hours, peace. Enjoy your afternoon with your family or you know, go to the park or whatever whatever your thing is. But no, that's I think that's a super relevant conversation. I love that you bring up like that just being another benefit 
of having yeah. measurable outcomes predefined and, and having your goals. And then creating your own reward system. We're talking about recognition. Like it's so it's powerful for us to have our own reward systems that we're creating for ourselves as well, especially as mm-hmm. leaders, because sometimes it can feel like we're just looking out for ourselves. You, I took a tangent from your tangent. So we're just in tangent. We love tangents. We love tangents. Let's go. That's what we do on podcasts. It's just like the stream of conscious thought. We just keep it moving. <laughs> just keep it going. Yes. Before the conversation, we we're talking about my bee sting. This bee just like brutally attacked me. But, you know, I was like, man, maybe I should call it in. But it's like, no, I got to be here for the Leaders Lens fans. I got this interview with GB. We got to make sure this happens for the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. leadership yeah. culture. I might have to start calling you Beasting. <laughs> oh, Beasting boy. <laughs> I was Beasting guy. He talks about his Beasting all the time. <laughs> You're hilarious. But I appreciate you. Awesome follow on LinkedIn. I always appreciate your content. Always enjoy the one-on-one when it comes to my newsletter box as well so if you're not subscribed what are you doing what are you doing with your life awesome tactics on having effective one-on-ones especially if you're a sales leader i cannot highly recommend it enough gb thanks for being here thank you thank you for listening to the show don't miss another episode of leaders lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you love leaders lens please tell a friend